Hi, everybody. I'm Karen Hartglass. You're listening to It's All About Food. Thank you so much for joining me today. And you know what we're talking about. We're talking about, I hear it, food. I have with me Debbie Adler, who has a new cookbook, The Mediterranean Plate, plant-based recipes free from gluten, salt, oil, and sugar. And we're going to be digging into that right now. Welcome, Debbie, to It's All About Food. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, so I was reading about you in this book, and you have done a lot. Just to get started, I want to hear your story. I know some of it has to do with your son and your family, so I want to know why vegan and why vegan, gluten-free, salt, sugar, and oil-free. Well, I when I grew up, um, my grandfather was a kosher butcher. So my parents' freezers was were always filled with meat, frozen meat. I never liked it. I mean, I didn't know about veganism. I just knew I didn't like it. So that was just a personal preference mm. um, growing up. I mean, I would eat it because, my, you know, that's what my mom served, but it was just like not, not, a, not something I enjoyed. When I came out to California, I was into, you know, sugar-free. And this is not not because it, it was a thing. This is going back to 2005. I just I wanted a sugar free cupcake, and it just didn't exist. They they only had the ones with super lows. So um, I said, oh, I can't believe I'm going to have to create this because I just did not want to have sucralose. I didn't want to have sugar. So I I did figure it out, and friends were saying it's so good. So I started a bakery when I came out here. And as a matter of fact, I came out here to do acting. I was huh? a CPA. I was a CPA on Wall Street, by the way. That's wow. that's, um, that's another story. But then um, it really wasn't for me. I came out here to do acting. That was my dream. And I, of course, you know how hard it is. And I do. Know, yes, <laughs> I <laughs> and, do know uh, how hard know, it is. Then, you know, couldn't get traction. I decided to open up Sweet Debbie's Organic Cupcakes because I was encouraged to do so. And that's when everything started. All the A-list producers and directors were knocking on my ovens because (laughs) everyone wanted these sugar-free, they were vegan cupcakes. So uh, that, that started it. In 2008, my son was born with severe and life-threatening food allergies. We found out when I gave him a little taste of frozen yogurt that had dairy in it, and he anaphylaxed, he almost died. He almost stopped breathing. And that was my journey. I started to do research. He ended up being allergic to a lot of things. It wasn't just the dairy, and it was the casein in the dairy. The casein, as you know, is the protein found in milk. I just could not believe. And then, of course, my whole world changed. I had to make, I decided to make my bakery allergy-free because I didn't want not just my son, but any any child to be without a cupcake on, on their birthday. So my journey started with my research into allergies, and it, it led me to the China study where, you know, the the research showed that casein is responsible for all these cancers and all the problems that we have, all the health problems, and that a whole food plant-based diet is the best way to go. So that lit up something in my head. Even though I was already vegan, I decided, okay, well, I have to add no oil, no salt, no sugar. And that was how I started creating those recipes because 
I, I was excited about the possibilities. My husband is a physician and he has a lot of patients who have diabetes or they mm. have high blood pressure. I said, you've got to do this. You've got to tell them to do this because this will save their lives. They, they won't have to take their medicine as much. And he was a little skeptical. I had gone to the International Plant-Based Nutrition Healthcare Conference where I heard Dr. Campbell and Dr. Esselstyn and all the people we know and love were speaking and showing their patients were on the stage. I was a day away from bypass surgery and then I didn't have to have the bypass surgery because I did three weeks of whole food plant-based and I lost the weight in my arteries. I was like hitting the ceiling. I was so excited. And so my husband wasn't as excited, but a few months later, a resident of his said, Oh, Dr. Adler, I think we should talk to our patients about a whole food plant-based diet. And he said, wow. hmm, okay, well, maybe you should talk to my wife about that. <laughs> and anyway, about a year into me creating my recipes, the publishers of the China study published my book, Sweet, Savory, and Free, which was the whole, the savory recipes of the, the whole food plant-based recipes that I created. My first book was about my bakery. It was called Sweet Debbie's Organic Treats. That was in 2014. Then in 2017 was Sweet, Savory, and Free. And then it was just off to the races wanting to spread the word because I knew that all the lifestyle diseases that we hear about, heart attacks and autoimmune and diabetes, all these lifestyle diseases could, for the most part, be prevented. And that was very exciting to me. And then my son turned two and he wanted a dog and I never had a dog. My parents would not allow me to have any pets. I said, Oh my God. All right. When you're eight, please come back to me when you're eight. So eight years old on the dot, he says, all right, mom, where's my dog? I said, oh, okay. And so we found him a dog. We got him a dog. And I'm telling you, Karen, this was the best thing that ever happened to me because that opened up my heart to all animals. Mm. I never had that growing up, but but having my own pet opened up my heart to all animals and the suffering of animals. And then I became an animal activist because I, in addition to, you know, wanting health, I could not stand the, the fact that these animals are being slaughtered for our food. That doesn't, now it doesn't make sense to me anymore. So everything since my son being born has led me to where I am now, which is so the whole food plant-based recipes, being an animal activist and trying to get everybody to at least try to start cooking this way. If not a hundred percent, just, a, you know, a, one meal at a time. That is my purpose in life because it will help everyone, as you know, to be healthier and live longer in a healthier way. Beautiful. Woo! And how is your son today? And how old is he? Well, he's 14 now. He's doing very well. Thank you. In well, in addition to what I learned, UCLA and Stanford together came up with a protocol where they started to give the allergens to the kids uh, they could do it on adults too, but it's better if you're a kid, the, the allergens in microscopic amounts. And they, they found that if the body can take it in small doses, it starts to become immune to not, you know, to not react. They, it doesn't react anymore, at mm -hmm. least not as much. And we did the protocol. Um, and that was when he was 10. I mean, but up until, up until 10, our lives were very restricted. We couldn't travel on a plane. We couldn't go to any restaurant. My son did not go into a restaurant until he was 10 years old. Wow. 
we going to birthday parties was is was very stressful. I had to bring his own cupcake. If I forgot the cupcake, God forbid, he couldn't eat anything with the other kids. It was always pizza. He couldn't eat the pizza. Our lives were very stressful. So after the protocol, he now can tolerate his allergens. If it happens to be in his food, he won't anaphylax. He may have a rash, but he won't um, anaphylax. So mm. thank you for asking. He's he's much better. And the protocol has lifted a weight off our shoulders. I'm hoping in the future that this will lead to a protocol where people aren't allergic at all. Exactly. That's what I hope. But being allergic to dairy is not a bad thing because right. dairy is not a good thing for humans, period. No. Not good for the planet and certainly not good for the cows no. or their babies. You really have to wonder about our food system where generation after generation, we are getting sicker and allergies are just exploding. It has to be all of the the different things that we put in what we call food. And so much of it, I don't even consider food Yeah, and how we grow our food and herbicides, pesticides, biocides, I like to call them. And EMOs. Oh, those two. Yeah. And our (laughs) poor little guts, which normally can handle so many things. Guts are really miraculous in terms of what they're capable of doing until you Mm -hmm. bombard them. with stuff. And it happens over generations too. I don't think it's just one generation. I think it- Yes, it is. You're absolutely right. It gets worse as the generations Mm -hmm. go on. And that's what they explain to us because of, so like, how, do, how, do, how does our son have food allergies? We don't have food at my husband and I, well, right. it's called epigenetics. And my husband had asthma as a child. And that when you start to, you know, have, have offspring, that, that asthma will turn into a situation for the offspring where the comp, that you have a compromised immune system. And that turns into an allergy that turns into eczema. And as you go on and on and on, you're going to get worse and worse and worse. So yes, it is getting worse as we have more and more generations of this. Okay, so let's dig into the Mediterranean plate. And first, the title, you mentioned in your book that you decided to create, I'm quoting you here, create a collection of recipes with a Mediterranean flair, since most of the meals in this popular diet are made up of whole grains, vegetables, fruits, beans, and legumes. I was just in Europe, and we spent a lot of time on the French Riviera, the Italian Riviera, the Mediterranean. It could just be where we were, but everyone was eating pasta, pizza, and bread. Pasta, pizza, and bread. Wow. And we were craving the vegetables. We really had to look for them in some places. There is a Mediterranean diet. It has a loose definition about Mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone understands that it involves vegetables, which is the important part. When I talk about it on Facebook, there are people, I guess, who see my posts who don't understand. I guess they don't know what I do. I mean, you know, I guess I guess not everybody who sees your Facebook posts are aware of that I'm vegan, whole food, plant based. And so they say to me, well, and I show the pictures from the book. Well, I don't eat meat. So can I still get your cook? I said, you know, <laughs> I, I have to refrain from screaming, <laughs> like writing all in caps back, like, who do you think I am? But I'm very polite because I realize they don't know. They probably don't know me. That Maybe wow. they just saw my Facebook post by accident. And I have to quietly explain that this this has no meat. It may look like a meatball, but it's not made from meat. And so, yeah, when people see the word Mediterranean, they're thinking fish. They're, you know, they're thinking, well, Mediterranean and fish. It's like, no, 
you know, read, read my post. I, you know, people don't read, they look at pictures. You know, a lot of people don't read, you know, it clearly says whole food, plant-based, know this, know that. But yeah, so there's a misconception. So, you know, I, I realize, and even in some of the pictures are very, very deceptive because one in particular, one photo in particular, I don't know if you saw it, Karen, in the book, yeah. it's a, it's an egg. Oh yeah. I love that. <laughs> okay. So there, I make a plant-based egg and it looks like a real hard boiled egg. Yeah. And so I cannot show that picture without the context because people have, they, they have a conniption. They oh. really do. They, I thought you were vegan. How are you having eggs in your, it's like, it's not an egg, please. It's not an egg. It's made of potatoes. So I have to be very careful. Like I realize people don't read. You have to be careful with what you put out there. Yes. The Mediterranean plate consists of a whole food plant-based array of um, various ethnic cuisines made from, like you said, the whole grains, the, the fruits, the vegetables, legumes. And in, in addition to that, I'm at an age where I'm, you know, always concerned about anti-aging, what can help me, you know, look better and feel young, mm-hmm. give me more energy. I also have a little list. I don't know if you saw it of the 18 anti-aging fruits and vegetables that are in my book that can help you do that, like maybe better for your skin and better for your energy and, you know, help you take years off your life. I did the research and that's in there as well. It's funny because when I was reading it, the first food in the list, it's alphabetized, was almonds. Yes. I just had to grab a handful (laughs) to continue reading. Oh, these are good for me. I'm going to have some. Yes. And your skin is glowing as a a result. Well, that's because I use almond oil. Oh, really? Yes. I just bought some in Italy. Oh, no wonder. Really? I I, I didn't bring any kind of cream. And I was feeling parched and this, mm-hmm. I walked into this one pharmacy and everybody seems to speak English everywhere yeah. we go. And yeah. I don't know that that's a good thing, but I went in and said, do you have something really simple? I don't want a lot of ingredients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they made a few faces and then they thought, oh, we have almond oil. <laughs> that sounds oh, good. good. And yeah. I've really been enjoying it. Oh, it has a lot of vitamin E. It so has vitamin E. Yeah. That's good for your skin. I'm not eating it. I'm right. No, don't eat it. No, not the oil. Just no. on your face. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. You mentioned your bakery a few times. Is there a website or a place where we can find it and order from it? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, well, I, 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 well, if people go on my list, which is at www.debbieadler.tv and they go on my list, I tell you every week what's available at the bakery. And then you can order from that email. There's a link to what's okay. available because it's very uh, seasonal and it changes. So they go, they, they get, they get that email every week. This is what's available. You can order um, shipping on Monday. Very good. I asked that because most people, I know when I post recipes or whatever, the ones that get the most hits are the sweet desserts. Oh, that's what everybody wants. Wow. So cupcakes are important. Yes. <laughs> Yes. All right. Let's talk about the fact that your recipes are free from gluten, salt, oil, and sugar, but you do use sweeteners and you do use other salty ingredients that may contain sodium, but are not salt. Yeah. I took my cues from Dr. Greger because he says it's okay to use miso. And so I use miso 
Mm-hmm. And that I know that has sodium. So I use it in a small quantity so you can have flavor in your food. You're not adding salt per se, but yeah, you're getting a salty taste from the miso paste. And so I use that. And then the only time I use actual salt is the black salt in those potato eggs. So it tastes like an egg. And I, and I talk about that, like, yes, I know I said I don't use salt, but this is one exception because I want it to taste like an egg. So I use a little bit of, of, of black salt to make it taste like an egg. And other than that, there's it no gives salt. that It gives that sulfur kind of flavor. Exactly. And that's for that yeah. egg, the veg, the avocado toast with veg. I'm not a fan of the sulfur flavor, but that's kind of what I like about eating an egg that isn't an egg because it doesn't have that, but a lot of people do like it. So they have that option. Yes. I'm a fan of miso too. And you mentioned a brand that I'm not familiar with that you use. We like South River miso. I don't know if you've ever seen that or tried it. Mm -mm. They come in glass jars and it's a It's a seasonal product because they don't ship it in the hot summer months. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Even I don't think they have that here. I have never seen that. Whole Foods sells them. Oh, they do? Oh, I have to look for it. Yeah, but I I love their misos. They have a whole line. Some of them are gluten-free and they're always playing with different things to make miso with, like dandelion greens or leeks. Oh, really? Yeah, really good. That's so interesting. Yeah, you might like them. South River Miso. Okay. This is not a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) We are not getting paid to say the name of a brand. And I think, I'm not certain of this, but I think they're not as salty as some of the more traditional Japanese misos. Okay. Okay. Which I like. Yeah. In fact, I've decided I'm making miso soup with a lot of vegetables in it for dinner tonight. That sounds good. I have miso on my mind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what about the sweeteners? I use a lot of dates now. Medjool dates are a big part of what I use. And then sometimes if it's a cookie, I use coconut sugar because it's derived from the tree and it's it's a little, it's less high glycemic. And just to get that crunchiness, that crispiness for a cookie that you need. Coconut nectar also is derived from the coconut tree, low glycemic, much less glycemic than, than maple syrup. So I highly recommend the coconut nectar. And I use, again, very small amounts to add to that sweetness. So depending on what kind of a sweet it is, what kind of a treat it is, I'll use one of those sweeteners. We're big medjool date mm-hmm. yeah. people here. I, I buy them by the 11 pound box. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I is- noticed in your references where you get things that I think you got your amaranth from food to live. Yes. And Food to Live is here in Brooklyn. I'm in New York. We get our dates from them. Oh, okay. That's a big box of dates. <laughs> yeah. Well, it fits right in the refrigerator and it oh. it lasts not it, too long. I can imagine because I use them a lot and I get in the five pound bag. Right. And that lasts me for a long time. Yeah. But they're amazing. Yes. They're just amazing. And a, why you would want to eat anything else sweet, I, know. I don't know. And they're very nutrient dense, like yes. a couple of dates, boom. I know. That's a meal. Yep. <laughs> Tell me about some of your favorites in this book. Although they're all beautiful and I understand you did all the photos. I did. Yes, well done. Um, gosh, you know, I love the um the cover photo is actually a, a chickpea and sweet potato hash. And that's very satisfying. It's just sweet potatoes and vegetables and chickpeas. And I find that just, ugh, 
you know, the combination is just so hearty and flavorful. Um, I could eat that every day. I like the spinach croquettes. Those are finger foods I like to eat with my fingers. Um, That's just, it's more satisfying to me. But plus, I just like the spinach croquettes. They're very easy to make and they're just, you know, little spinach logs that are, you know, have, have a coating, you know, crunchy on the outside, soft on the inside. And then I have an avocado dip with that. And then, then my all-time favorite spread is in there, muhamara, which is a spicy red mm. pepper spread. With That's walnuts. Still, oh, yeah. it is so delicious. And yeah, sweet. I saw that and I thought, I've got red peppers in the refrigerator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. It's so delicious. It's like dessert. It's, it's it's not too sweet, but it's just so satisfying. And I was just introduced to it recently. And I just thought this has got to go. I mean, a lot of people don't know about Muhammara. They know hummus, but they don't know Muhammara. So, um, so I, I guess those are my top, but there's so many, I, you know, and the desserts also, I'm, I find myself making the um, caramelized galettes because they're little small galettes. <laughs> You were just in France, so yeah. I don't know if you had any galettes in France, but I love the way I make it with medjool dates and a little almond uh, flour. It's uh, not obviously it's not a traditional galette, but it's it's the shape of a little galette, like a cookie. Yeah, like a cookie with the berries, and then of course mm-hmm. if you have the vanilla and ice cream on top. It's so good. Yeah, so that and of course my biscotti. It's like a Greek biscotti because it has uh, toasted sesame seeds and orange zest in it. And I'd like to have that because, you know, it's like a cookie, crunchy, delicious. Oh, it's so good. So, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. I I like every recipe. (laughs) Yeah, of course you do. And of course you should. And they all look really, really yummy. And I see it's interesting when you look at a cookbook, you can in some ways, like an artist, see their style. And there's definitely continuity in your style of what you're preparing. And this is a good thing that if people use some of your recipes, they would be able to do it on their own after trying a few, just kind of figuring out what to do. Yeah. Or make it their own. Like, okay, this is the way Debbie does it, but I'm going to add this because that's what I like. And then they make it their own. And that's right. Before we started this program, you and I were talking about coffee and the things we've given up because they may not sit well, or we know they're not good for us. And I just wanted to riff on that a little bit. Your recipes in your book definitely show there's no deprivation in this diet. You can have it all. It's all there. But we have given up things that sometimes if we're traveling or at other people's homes or something, there are things that we're not eating. And I just wondered if you wanted to talk about, you mentioned coffee, for example, you don't drink coffee. I don't have it anymore in the house, but if I'm traveling, which is very rare these days, I'll treat myself mm-hmm. to, to some great latte. So I'm, I'm not giving it up a hundred percent, but in my house, I don't have it anymore because it just doesn't, doesn't, it, you know, my, my digestion doesn't do well with it. I, cr- I still crave it. I have to say, I do love coffee and, and, and it makes me sad because I used to look forward to it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it very dehydrating. Like I feel so thirsty afterwards. Like it's like, like taking all the, uh, um, hydration out of me because that's what it is. It is dehydrating. Uh, and I really feel it. If I do have, like, like I say, if I treat myself outside the house, I, I actually start to feel it. I only have, I could only have a few sips, which are delicious usually. And then I'm like, oh my God, I feel so thirsty. I have to stop. 
And I, and I only started drinking coffee when my son was born, by the way, I mm. never drank coffee. I don't know why my mom always drank coffee. I remember her always having her coffee and I was like, Oh, and much later in life, I was in my forties when I started drinking coffee only because I had to like get up at five in the morning with my son. And I just like, Oh my God, I think I need coffee. I think that's the answer right now. Um, and that's when I started in my forties and, and then it was like, okay, I love this not going back, but then it started to take its toll. Mm -hmm. So it is a treat. I just, like I said, I have my matcha latte now that I look forward to, we both have our matcha lattes. It's funny because we mentioned we're both drinking both out of big bowls, our matcha lattes. (laughs) Well, mine isn't a latte this morning. It's just no, yours isn't a latte. Mine is. And I, and I found some coffee substitutes like this roasted barley that in a pinch, I, you know, oh my God, I'm craving coffee. I'm not going to go out to some coffee house now. And so I make that. So the, the toasted barley is actually a nice substitute. If you, you know, you pour hot water over it, it gives, you know, you a nice rustic mm-hmm. coffee flavor. It's not the same, but you know, in a pinch, it actually works. So I have that yeah. also depending we're, on. We're I mean. big Ticino fans in this house. Oh, Ticino. Yeah. In fact, we're out and we're waiting for the order oh, to come. Right. <laughs> I know that feeling. I'm waiting for my roasted barley to come. So. <laughs> November 1st, please. So I like that you call it a treat. And I haven't mentioned this in a long time, or at least I don't think I have, but I used to talk about this all the time, like a broken record. For many of us, especially in the United States, we can have whatever we want whenever we want. And I don't know that that's a good thing. I like that some things are special, that we can't have them all the time, or we shouldn't have them all the time. And we just have them in a special moment. Mm. And that makes life more special somehow, I think. Mm-hmm. We just came back from a trip in Europe. And as I was mentioning to you earlier, there are things that I ate. Everything was vegan. I have to make my disclaimer. Everything was vegan, but there were things that I ate that I don't normally eat right. because it was a treat. Mm-hmm. I'm back home now and I'm glad I'm not eating those things all the time, but it was fun in the mm-hmm. moment. Thank you for joining me today on It's All About Food. Thank you. Anything you want to say about your book before we go? No, I just um, want to tell people that if they do purchase it, they should email me because I'm giving away a course. Ooh. That's um, it, it's, it's me t- teaching in my k- kitchen how to make every recipe. So I go through every recipe on video and I'm giving that away free. So people, if, if they happen to be intimidated by a recipe, they could go to the video and see how I make it. That's so, excellent. Yeah. So people buy the Mediterranean plate, they could email me at Debbie at DebbieAdler.tv and say, oh, here's my, you know, screenshot the order and show me that they purchased it. And I'll just grant them access to this course. So I want to you know, put it out there that that's a bonus that people will get if they get my cookbook. So they don't have to worry. I mean, not that it, anything is hard to make. It's not, but I like to give guidance. I know people can get intimidated if they're not big cooks. So I just wanted to put that out there. Brilliant. I think all cookbooks should come with videos, how to, I'm kind yes. of, I'm having a, a strange like Harry Potter kind of image where you open the book and each book has a little video next to the page on yes. how to make it. Yeah. Oh, I would love in the that. future. Yeah. Yes, right. absolutely. Well, the future is here. I did it. But it's not in your book, but it's on your computer screen. Exactly. That's pretty easy. 
Again, yeah. Debbie Adler, thank you for joining me on It's All About Food. All thank the best. You. Thank you, Karen, for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay. The Mediterranean Plate by Debbie Adler. That's one cookbook that's a great addition to your collection. And, you know, we just talked about treats. And I want to continue the concept and the idea of treats. And I can only do that with one person. And that's Gary DiMattei, who is here with me right now. We're looking across from each other. Hi, Karen. Gary and I just came back from a 25-day trip to Europe. We went to London, Paris, Rapallo, Nice, and Aix-en-Provence, returned back to London, and then flew home. And we trained all over Europe. Right. We plan on blogging about every day during our journey. Especially about the, the, the highlights, which for us, the trip was all about food. All about food. All about food. You know, we had heard so much about the incredible, what is it, the emergence of vegan restaurants all over Europe, and we went to find out. Right. That was one of the main reasons. And there are so many more countries to visit, but this was... This was our first little... This is what we could manage this time. Right. And it was nice because we were able to, as you just said, take the train. So we didn't need to rent a car. Uh, We flew in from... JFK to London, and then trained from there to Paris, and from Paris to Rapallo, and from Rapallo to Nice, and from Nice to Aix-en-Provence, oh, to Aix, yeah. south of France, and then up to London. And then up back to London, and then home. It's amazing. The train system is phenomenal. It was. It was really phenomenal. I'm a believer. <laughs> so the thing about the food, as I mentioned earlier in the program... Everything we eat is always vegan. Right. And at home, it's whole food, plant-based, little or no salt, little or no sugar, little or no oil. But I allowed myself to consume foods that had oil, sugar, and salt when we were in Europe because we were trying restaurants and it was a celebration that these restaurants and stores exist because when I lived in Europe 30 years ago, I was the only vegan I ever met, and there was none of this, and nobody even knew what the word vegan meant. Now everyone knows there are vegan options on many restaurant menus that aren't vegan. Yeah. And you're not looked at like you have horns coming out of your head, or you're from... No, everybody Or was, you're from an alien planet. Everybody was very, very enthusiastic when we said we were vegan. They were like, okay, well, we've got this, if right. it was a restaurant that wasn't vegan. Or, okay, we can do this for you. So Uh, here's an example. Yes. Right? So we were in London, and I don't know. We don't have a lot of time right now to talk about everything. Well, that's why you're going to blog about it, which is why I'm really excited, because you're going to take all of these events, and there were several of these events that you're about to talk about now, and you're going to blog about them and even interview some of the owners of these restaurants, which I'm really excited about. Me too. I can't wait for you to dig into It's like our trip is going to continue. So we took... The Eurostar from London to Paris. And I didn't know until the last minute that you can order special meals 24 or 48 hours in advance. So it was under 24 hours and I didn't order a vegan meal. Okay, we weren't starving. This is a great story though. This is a great story. And we got on the train. The service was 
impeccable. We were comfortable. It was lovely. And then the meal service came out and I said, we didn't order a vegan meal. I didn't realize I should. What do you call them? The servers, the porters. One of the person that walks up and down uh, taking care of you, the server. The server, the attendant. We'll have to look that up. The train attendant. The train attendant. I guess we call them a flight attendant on airlines. So let's call them a train attendant. I, I call them porters anyway. So we explained we were vegan. We didn't order a meal in advance. We would do it on a return trip. And to our surprise, a little while later, he came back with these falafel sandwiches from the train restaurant. There's a car that had food service. The bar car, right. The bar car. He gave them to us. And he said, no one on my train is going to go hungry. But he said it in French because he spoke he spoke French and <laughs> you understood what he said. But he also spoke impeccable English. Not on my watch. Will any of my passengers go hungry? Go hungry. Anyway, it was really lovely. And these sandwiches were, were incredible. Amazing. <laughs> I think we got the better part of the deal, as always, when we go to a restaurant that doesn't normally have a full vegan menu. But when we tell them we're vegan, many times we make out better than the folks that order off the menu. And we certainly did here. Now, I have not noticed this in the United States, and maybe I haven't been paying attention because I'm not a bread buyer. But I have noticed this in the vegan restaurants and in the healthier restaurants that some people are putting turmeric into baguettes. Oh, yeah. And it makes the baguette a little yellow. A but little eggier. Maybe. It just gives it a yellower color. It's not offensive or anything. It's pleasant. But I never saw that before. And it the bread doesn't really taste like turmeric. But, no, but, they're, maybe, but they're doing it. Maybe it's meant to give it a brioche, a brioche kind of look. Perhaps. The bread that the falafel sandwich came on, it was a baguette that had turmeric in it. Right. And it was really good. It was fantastic. Yeah. So we were very happy. And we were very, very hungry. (laughs) It's funny because we ate very well. And like I said, we treated ourselves every day. I just weighed myself after coming home. And I did not gain any weight. No, neither did I. I I was really happy with the fact that we were satisfied everywhere we went. But we really didn't eat a whole lot. The other thing is, is that when you go to, when you think about people going to Europe, you think about them drinking a lot of alcohol, mm. right? Yeah. Like at every meal, there's like wine. It's, they have a lot of wine in these places and you're in a festive mood. We didn't do any of that. Very little. I, mean, I had a glass of cider in yeah. two places. And that's a treat too for us. Definitely. And I think. I had a little wine in one restaurant. But I mean, it wasn't something that was a regular thing. It with was every not. Meal. And I know a lot of folks go to Europe and they think, well, you got to have wine with every meal or you got to have drinks. And I had one beer in London and I had a glass of wine when we found that place that you're going to blog about in Paris, open late, which was awesome. A big salad. Remember, we were looking for the big salad. Oh, yeah. When we arrived in Paris, it was in the evening. Yes. Or the late afternoon. And from from the Eurostar. Right. And we checked into this. Boutique hotel in the 15th arrondissement, which is right. on the south side of the Seine, in a cute little, almost residential neighborhood. But it wasn't that far from the Eiffel Tower. So we walked to the Eiffel Tower, and it was nighttime. And it was so festive there, with the lights on the tower, and everybody was sitting on the lawn. And there were 
people, the the peddlers who sell the little tourist tchotchkes, the little miniature right. Eiffel Towers, right. they were also selling bottles of wine. Right. Speaking of wine. Bottles of wine because folks were just sitting on the grass drinking wine. Exactly. Looking at the Eiffel Tower. But when we left the Eiffel Tower, it was late, around 11 o'clock at night, and we were hungry. And I looked on Happy Cow, and I'm going to be talking a bit about Happy Cow. Yes, you should. The app and the website, because they really have excellent information that can help you navigate vegan food all around the world. And I quickly looked, and I saw that there was a place within walking distance called Veggie, And we ended up going there. And at 11.30 at night, it was just, it was was like in a movie. We're on this cozy little street eating outside. And it was a vegetarian, Lebanese-influenced style restaurant. So there were a lot of medze dishes and salads. Right. And we got these amazing salads with fresh figs in them. Yeah. Which was really cool. This little place that we were staying in had its own little kitchen, too. And so we were able one night to uh, to also cook a meal. Yeah, which we were desperate for because we had been in London for maybe three nights and then went to Paris. And although we were eating well and enjoying everything we're eating, normally we eat giant salads. And we did have a salad the night before, but we just wanted some simple, clean food. Right, so when we were at this restaurant, that's another time where we had a glass of wine because they had this great light Bordeaux-y kind of French wine. And so they brought us out a little half a carafe and we drank some wine. And and it was our first night in Paris, but the salads were amazing. I mean, they had avocado on them. They had figs. They had nuts. It was like something we would make at home. But we don't normally add figs to our salads and fresh figs. And that's definitely going to be... yeah. Something I do very soon. It was a restaurant veg. What a perfect place that you found. We had a blast there. But Paris is really a magical place. And as I was saying earlier, it's in the center of the country of France. And the center of that country is all about art. And so, of course, we loved it there. We were able to celebrate all of the great artists that they celebrate all throughout the city. There are statues of so many of their heroes and many of those heroes are artists are artists the vegan food there is really coming along let's back up a little bit because when we were in london right and we had been walking around and i'll tell you we went to mildred's mallow wolf and lamb and the gate those were the restaurants we went to and when we were going to the gate right for dinner on the way we realized there was le pain quotidien Yes. Which is a restaurant chain, and we have a number of them in New York. It's a Belgian chain. And we thought, oh, maybe we'll go there for breakfast before we take the Eurostar to Paris. Exactly. Because we looked at the menu, and they had, are you ready for this? They had vegan croissant. Right. Why don't they have vegan croissant in our New York restaurants? I don't know. But we didn't get up early enough to go for breakfast. We slept in. Our rhythm during most of the trip was really off. Right. But we ended up going to the Eurostar station, and there was this same restaurant in the Eurostar station. Le Pain Quotidien had a space, and we had time, and we were able to buy croissant, pain au chocolat, some chia pudding. Yeah. 
Is that nuts? They we, had chia pudding. We really went crazy in Le Pan Quotidien. <laughs> Le Pan Quotidien. And then that was London to Paris. And then we were in Paris. And then, then we were in Rapallo. And we have a whole long story about Rapallo. But then when we got to Nice and then Aix-en-Provence, in Aix-en-Provence, there was a Le Pan Quotidien right. as well. And we went there. So I've had my fill of vegan croissant. I just have to mention right now, you've heard me for years talk about wheat. Right. Me and wheat. And me and wheat, we're... Isn't very neat. It's not very neat. We don't do well together. And at one point, I swore I would never eat wheat again. And I thought organic wheat, I could manage occasionally. So here we are in Europe. And most places, especially south of France and south of Italy, they're eating pasta, pizza, and bread. Right. You mentioned that on the show today. And it's made of wheat. Right. And so I just decided, oh, I'm just going to eat wheat. And I enjoyed it. And I did suffer a little. So right. my problem with wheat is it gives me hemorrhoids. Not a pleasant conversation, but I'm going to be well, open know, and honest about it. A lot of people need to hear that. Because I don't hear people talking about wheat and hemorrhoids, but I am absolutely certain that it's wheat because I never eat wheat. And the only thing that we were doing really differently in Europe was I was eating a lot of wheat. And sure right. enough, I got... Now, would you say one. that the wheat was a better quality than the, the wheat that you eat here? You know, it's a really good question because a lot of people say that they find the quality of wheat in Europe is better. But I can't say everything tasted great. Right. But I still reacted in a similar way. Well, these restaurants that we went to in london speaking of treats when we first got there we had some great desserts mm. we had dinner and then we had dessert and it was definitely a lot of fun i had you had a cannoli at the gate a cannoli right you had a, i had a tiramisu i remember having also a wonderful vegan creme brulee at, we went to Mallow, which was in borough market right and you had the creme brulee i had a meal for you. Oh, you did. Is that what that is? Yeah, I had a meal for it. Thousand leaves. Right, 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 right. At Mallow. And you got to have your matcha, too. There was a lot of matcha tea flowing. I did. We Stay tuned, and you're going to be reading a lot about our fabulous 25-day adventure with vegan food throughout those places in Europe that we talked about. So many wonderful moments. In addition to all the great food that we had, we also got to talk to... The owners of different restaurants. And I really loved engaging with them. Something I've always loved in the United States, when we would go to vegan restaurants and talk to the owners, the people that worked there, they really believed in the mission. They really believed in what they were doing. And I always found that to be a little different than at a restaurant that wasn't vegan. Right. There are some restaurant owners that are passionate about their cooking. Sure. But absolutely. vegan restaurants have, for me, have always been exceptional. Right. With passion. So I was really happy to discover when we would talk to the proprietors of the different places we went to in Europe, it was the same. A lot of these people are young and they just have, they're on a mission. Like the couple we met in Nice. Oh, they were great. There was this little counter service place called Cajou, which means cashew in right, French. Right, right. And it was really close to our hotel, and we literally just stumbled on it. They had a really interesting story, and I can't wait to talk to them. 
but they've traveled all over the world and they now have this nice little place and they made Gary a nice burger and we had really nice smoothies and it was real food. It was delicious. Those smoothies were great. It was like a cheeky monkey was one of them. Yeah, you, I said I was going to call you a cheeky monkey right. from now on. <laughs> yeah, and that started it out, and then their burgers were great, and they hand-roll their burgers. They make bean burgers. They make several different ty- flavors mm-hmm. of burgers. They make the burgers there themselves. If you're in Nice, go to Cajou. They're a couple, and they are awesome, and they're enthusiastic, and I can't wait to have you talk to them on this program because... That'll be a really great interview. They speak English really well. <laughs> and then the other place in Nice was the Amour Patisserie. And we went there for breakfast before we were leaving Nice. We didn't have a whole lot of time in all of these places, but no. there were some places that we just couldn't miss. And I had an omelet and you had pancakes. And the woman who owns this place really nailed what she was doing oh these were phenomenal dishes i mean i don't know how she got the omelet to taste so light and fluffy and almost like a souffle you gave me a taste of your omelet it was it was i I can't wait to talk for you to talk to her to find out if she can give you the (laughs) she's gonna give me her secrets (laughs) and she was the one that told us about the bakery in x yeah now tell us about that bakery because that is that your favorite we went to a little bakery in aix-en-provence called instant v or in French, instant V. Right. And it was just right it's there. a little off one of the rows, Rue d'Italie, tucked away in a corner. And they serve vegan croissant, pain au chocolat, pain au raisin. All they, of the incredible desserts. They have some beautiful pastries under their Saint, glass window. They do a Saint Honoré cake, special order. Yeah, thank you. They'll do special orders of cakes. You have to give them a good amount of notice, but we saw them take one out. Gorgeous. And I can't wait for you to talk to him. He was such a delightful guy. And of course, he owns the place, so his wife works the counter. She wasn't there the second time we went, or was it the third time? I don't know. We went there <laughs> we a lot. We were there a lot. We were next for five nights, and we were there regularly. Yeah. He was actually waiting on the customers who were sitting at tables. He was, he was serving us our tea as well as our pastry. So when you're talking about treats on this show, we indulged in a lot of treats. And they were so delightful. It's funny because... And they were vegan. These were treats for us. But for many people, especially in France, they have these things every day. Right. A croissant or pain au chocolat is is normal breakfast food. For us, it was like hitting the holy grail. (laughs) I know. Because it was vegan. And um, it was really... um, it was really what vacation to me should be about, and that is discovering these things that you don't normally see or have at your fingertips at home. Well, for me, and I've said this a bunch already, and I know I'm going to say it again and mention it a gazillion times in my blog, but when I lived in Europe 30 years ago, none of this existed. No, and you actually got teary-eyed and choked up when you were talking to someone about it. And so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of tears. It's it's just so good to see. And it's not a trend. No. No, it's, it's here. And it's People here. are accepting it. They're realizing the importance of it. We met with some of my friends from Aix-en-Provence. Yes. And one couple took us to 
another restaurant in Aix-en-Provence called La Cabane en Ville, which is... Oh, this the, place. I can't wait for you to talk to this guy. If he even has the time yeah, to talk yeah, I to I can't you. imagine, but he said he would. So uh, this is a little restaurant. It seats 20 people. You must reserve in advance because it's full every night. It's one serving. He doesn't turn tables. But this man does everything. Man? He was probably a child. Yeah, okay. This young man. This person. He did everything, okay? He made the food. He served. And he cleaned up. There was He had no help. It was just him. No help. A one-man show. Listen to us. No No help. help. When I asked him, where's your help? He said, I'm it. He must live... By himself or something, because I can't. I, I can't. Not. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it. The restaurant I think is open Monday through and it's vegan. Sunday. It's vegan. They have a lunch service and dinner service. And how is he able to survive? Now he the works. style of his food is obviously it's very things rustic. that he makes in advance for the most part. It's home cooking. Home cooking. You're not going to get anything extraordinary here as far as French cuisine that that is then turned vegan. I mean, this is like basic, rustic, home cooking. I had like, I had an eggplant parmesan. It was excellent. I And I had this baked polenta with what he called chicken and he put quotes around it, but it was seitan. It, It was delicious. It was filling. We couldn't get a table the night before and your wonderful friends said, yes, we'll come and take you to dinner. Hey, we heard about this little vegan place because they knew you were vegan. Yeah. And so, and they weren't vegan, but they, they came out and, and you'll be writing all about it in your blog. It's a really great story. This is kind of like the trailer to what's yet to come. <laughs> a teaser, a sizzle reel of all of the really exciting things that we're going to be talking okay, about. Okay, so the and thing that pictures. we... We took tons of pictures. Tons of pictures. The thing we didn't mention... I know we're just jumping around and touching on things, but one of the best parts, I think, was when we were in Rapallo, which is a small beach town near, in Genoa, or right? Yeah, near Genoa. And Gary's paternal family is from this area. And we got to meet his cousin, who showed us this little village on the top of a hill. Santa Maria di Maisana, where my grandparents, where my grandmother was from and where the Dimite family is from, and it was really incredible. But I know where you're going now with this. He arranged for us to have this special meal at this agritourism farmhouse uh, right below Santa Maria di Maisana, and prearranged with the, the couple who owns this cute little Chateau, where they bring people in and feed them. And and it's farm to table, literally. Literally. The farm is right there. Literally. And the farm. tables are right inside. And our and it was a large table of about, I don't know how many, 12 people were sitting with us. Or, yeah. And he specially arranged, my cousin Vittorio, Vittorio Di Matei and his wife Cinzia, arranged for us to have, for Karen and I, to have a vegan meal during this meal. And so we had, I don't know how many courses. Six or seven <laughs> courses. It was like the feast of the seven dishes. And the owner would come out and he would explain in Italian, which had to be translated, what he was presenting. And then he would look at us and say, this is what I have for you. It was really 
So moving. It was moving and it was delicious. It was wonderful for them to do that. And there was just all of these little moments and these little gifts along the way in our travels. Well, I'm looking forward to blogging about it because this way we won't forget about it. We won't forget about it and we'll be able to talk because we asked all of the owners of these these restaurants that we were so moved and it really was moving to be in these restaurants, mm-hmm. see these people. As and you said, celebrate them. Passionate people that are really trying to make a difference. And I think they appreciated us appreciating them. <laughs> you know, because when you do this day in, day out, hour after hour, you're, you're, you're wondering. I mean, I know owning a restaurant is one of the most difficult things there is to do. But when you, when you meet people that really appreciate what you're doing. And really try, appreciate your art. And tell you that you're really making a difference, not only in their lives, but in the lives of everybody. That, And these places were all packed. That's true. Yeah, it's not like we were the only people that were going to these places. We went to another restaurant in Nice called Utopia. Right. And I didn't think to make a reservation. It was We were going for dinner. We walked there and we got there and the place was full. Full. And they basically looked at us like, you know, sorry, we can't help you. But there was a table where they were leaving right away, and so we were lucky. Right. But we had to wait about 20 minutes before they could yeah, see Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they, they, they made us wait. But I don't blame them. I would make... But it was worth it. And I had, I had a tiramisu there that was incredible. Right. You had some great tiramisu. I had some great tiramisu. Yeah. Which is an Italian dessert, but you had really great tiramisu in France. Yes, but the... Owners of this restaurant in Nice were Italian. That's right. They were. They were. That was fun. When we were in Rapallo, other than when we were dining with your family, the scene there wasn't necessarily vegan friendly. There were some places that said they would give vegan options, but they weren't that interesting. Although we did go to Netuno Pizza, and they had like some 35 different pizzas on the menu. And two of them were vegan and very good. And we had them both. And we had them. Yeah. And they were great. And the first meal we had in Rapallo was, believe it or not, at, <laughs> at a restaurant that served Chinese and Japanese food. Yeah. We wanted vegetables. We wanted stir-fried vegetables and tofu, and we got them. And we got them. It was very simple. But we really it appreciated was basic, it. It was simple and it was filling and they gave us rice. We had rice instead of wheat. You know, when your only option is wheat, 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 wheat. <laughs> I wanted it, a different grain. It and was we great. got it. We, here we were in Italy. Eating, eating Chinese food. Eating Chinese food. What a couple of New Yorkers we are. <laughs> uh, but it was delicious and they did it very well. The tofu was was interesting is silken tofu. Well, the tofu they use is more traditional Chinese tofu. Right. Soft. Right. And here in the United States, everything we means. like heavy, dense, chewy. Right. The tofu in Italy was more of the more traditional. traditional. Yeah. yeah. It was I found that really fascinating. The other thing we did a lot of was we looked around for markets because as you just said, we wanted vegetables and, you know, you you're basically eating pizza and pasta and bread. We would then find vegetables and bring them back to the hotel. And we or found, fruit. Or fruit. And we found a lot of little markets that were very bio, as they say, which is organic. Right, bio. Bio, run by young couples who are trying to make a difference. So in Rapallo. In Rapallo, yeah. yeah. They were especially there. And that was really very cool to we see. We even found vegan ice cream in Rapallo. There was a little cafe called El Dolce. 
and we went there for tea and I think they were the only place, well, one of a few places that made tea the way I think tea should be made, which is in a teapot with the tea loose. Not a tea bag. Not a tea bag. And they gave you a little timer and they flipped the timer over. The presentation was The art of tea. It was really wonderful. Yeah, and they had vegan gelato there. And they had acai bowls. Right. We, We did well there. We did well. And speaking of vegan ice cream, here's how we knew things were really cool for us in London. Oh, yeah. We went to the theater in London. We went to the Bridge Theater, which is right by the Tower Bridge. It's the most exceptional experience you can ever have in London. You need to go to the Bridge Theater and see whatever it is that they have on there because the setting is phenomenal. And we'll be talking more about this. And the play we saw was, was incredible. Anyway, in the theater... They sold vegan ice cream. I can't believe it. And we went to this awesome dinner that you're going to be talking about at this restaurant before. And then we had our dessert. At oh, the we had vegan Thai at Roslyn. Oh, my God. I just, we, we had so many great discoveries and such great food. And we're going to detail all of it. And it will be organized, far more organized in this conversation. <laughs> but there was this family restaurant that Karen just mentioned, this Thai restaurant. And they gave the restaurant to their kids, this family-owned restaurant, and the kids took it vegan. And the place was a sensation. It was packed. Oh, my God. I could use some of that food right now. Yes. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot about that. And then after that is when we went to the theater, the Bridge Theater in London by the Tower Bridge. That's why they call it the Bridge Theater. It's a 900-seat house. It's gorgeous. You know, we We didn't even... We saw Simon Russell Beale in... Heinrich Ibsen's John Gabriel Borkman for you theater files out there. It was phenomenal. And it was maybe 70% capacity. It wasn't sold out. I was astounded by the fact that it wasn't sold out. And the tickets weren't expensive. No, they were, what, 50 pounds, 60 pounds? Something like that. And it was a Monday night, so maybe that's why it wasn't packed. We're going to wrap this up, but we didn't mention when we first got to London, we saw another show. We saw Life of Pi, which was amazing. And before we went there, we went to this place, La Gelateria, and we had vegan pistachio gelato, which was the best. We will talk about all of these things and so much more in the days and weeks to come. So stay tuned to the Responsible Eating and Living website. Karen, this has been great fun. Thanks for having me on the second half of your show today. Thank you, Gary, for joining me. Okay, everybody. Have Have a a delicious delicious week. week.